You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. There we go. <laughs> meeting. You ruined everything, Nathan. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. Um, I I was in. I was talking to Danielle, a colleague, yesterday, um, and one of her bugbears was um, the term "digital natives." Uh, and I just thought I just thought be interesting just to get your views on um digital natives what what that means um so she was directly kind of talking about mark prensky and, and his work on digital natives and digital immigrants um and yeah similar to the learning styles and things like that the fact that it's been debunked but i was, I was just curious to because i was very I was very vocal on, on the subject, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Just a, a quick plug for my blog, which is on the digital divide, which covers a couple of these topics while we're here. So the, the blog that I shared with you guys before, um, if it's still live actually. Um, yeah, no, it's something that we discussed uh, quite some length in my masters as well, actually, um, the idea of the digital native and Prensky's ideas here. Obviously, if you're going to tar any group like this isn't just about uh e-learning or digital um but if you're going to tar any group with one brush and say everybody in that group has certain skills or abilities i think you're getting into muddy water aren't you like the idea that everybody who was born after a certain date would have certain skills um it's a weird thing as well because it's geographical uh, and no one seems to really account for that, less so than maybe the TV or the radio. Um, but, you know, not everybody had computers and the internet at the same time throughout the world. Not everybody still does. Uh, so the idea of putting a, a year on it is weird. Um, and also the sort of assumption that people who were older weren't somehow already steeped in digital technology. You know, they're the people who made it. Why would we assume that like there's this kind of barrier based on age um, when actually all of this technology depends on the, the people who've developed it before us. Just, sorry, slight quick intro there to the topic. Oh, thank you very much for that intro. I think it's, um, I think this is a very, very good summary of this. The, I suppose that one of the most interesting things from kind of my perspective is the impact of the G digital natives and the curriculum development. And you can see that from the kind of primary school, second, all the way down from the primary school, secondary, up to the higher education, what actually, what are the changes that we have observed in, I don't know, last two decades in national curriculums all over the Europe or world and adaptation of, adaptation of the curriculum to meet the needs of digital natives? Because um, like if you are talking about the, about the digital natives without any conceptualizing this within the curriculum, what's the point of talking about this? So I think it's got it to have some kind of... Hasn't some of this changed because of industry as well? So the rise of um, lots of these technology industries, then there's more, more need for um, people with those skills. Um, so when you say the curriculum's changed, I, I guess coding and stuff like that. So you've got more students learning that type of stuff, but that is a as a direct impact of 
kind of the changes within industry and the fact that we need people that have these skills and kind of identifying that when we talk about digital natives, they don't have, they don't have the skills. So these people just don't have, that's why we're having to incorporate and embed it into education because we're just assuming, okay, this person has, and I, and I was reading our, um, one of Mark um, Prensky's articles, and it's, this person had 2000 hours of, of video game experience. And I know we, we've talked about um, video games. Uh, yeah, but what has, what has that, what has that given them um, that will help them to survive in today's world of work? Um, I don't know. It's a really interesting point, Nathan, because uh, I think sometimes when people are marvelling at their three-year-old being able to unlock the iPad and open that, it's not actually that complicated. iPads, by definition, like, well, not by definition, but iPads are designed to be super simple to use. Um, they're not demonstrating any particular skill by being able to unlock the iPad and open an app necessarily, other than being able to repeat three or four actions. Um, if, if you had a three or four-year-old that was... Uh, writing some sort of program that would open the doorbell on face recognition I'd be like yeah okay there's some serious step change here in what in what the kids of today are able to do but you're absolutely right we still have to teach them these skills just because we're teaching them something different doesn't mean like inherent in the the kind of environment or world they grew up in um the the digital tools being uh, around has, has has made them super skilled at them and I suppose I suppose you both have you're absolutely right and i think um yeah the fact that you can play computer games it doesn't mean that you're gonna know how to use excel or powerpoint effectively so it's a saying that they are the digital native so they should, should be capable of having access to learning or e-learning easily and they should know what to do with this straight away it's almost as as to say that yeah i've got a driving license so i can uh, Ray, you know, um, attend the race F1 race, which, you know, the fact that I, I have driving license doesn't make me a uh, racing, racing driver. But I suppose, Nathan, what you said about the curriculum and development of the curriculum, this is a really interesting point because, yes, you can see a growing number of schools implementing like coding classes, or you can see that, for example, in the place that I live, um, there is a lot of libraries who are doing like after school classes for kids that teach them like basics of the Python and things like that, which is really great to see. <laughs> However, and of course, this is not criticism on the stage of because it's uh, of well, let, let's finish with that. It's not the criticism, but the, uh, one of the things that I think the the spread of COVID nineteen showed that we didn't do nearly as much as it could we have you know that we could have done before the pandemic kicked off to get curriculum ready for and adopted for the needs or for our technical capacity so we before the pandemic kicked in in 2020 it was all of the attention was placed on the classroom-based learning and it took very, very slowly. And I think with a lot of resistance to implement school, homeschooling and sure, all. I'm not sure that. how much of that was caused by the digital, um, 
by, by you know people being digital migrants or you know, uh, not having the digital capabilities let's be honest the user end of a lot of the tools that we use is super simple like yeah. our end isn't particularly difficult you don't need to be skilled in it or anything to use our end but one step removed from you know what the learners are using or the academics are building in is really really easy in fact after maybe a week of using it you can know pretty much everything you need to in order to build an effective course i don't think the issue here is digital capabilities and the the, the point you were raising about covid coming up if anything i feel like when covid did hit the amount people were able to learn so quickly was impressive but also demonstrates that actually had they started to put this work in beforehand when there wasn't such a rush things might have moved along a bit quicker um, I, I don't think them being born 10, 10, 15 years earlier would have made that much difference. Um, but on another note, uh, and I was just going to bring it back to this um, digital native, digital migrant, uh, and I raised the term digital divide. Um, I find the term digital divide a bit more palatable than this whole concept of digital natives. And the reason why I do is because I, even though it wasn't initially intended, or I don't think it was initially intended um, to refer to this, it also refers to... Um, like the, the different capabilities of people based on like their region that they're in. Maybe they don't have bandwidth. Maybe they don't have access to the right technology. Um, those sorts of issues are things that as learning designers, I think we can start to think about. So, you know, if there is a, a long video, it doesn't come with a transcript for people who, who don't have the bandwidth to download the video. Those sorts of things we can accommodate for. And I think that's where, in my opinion, that's where we're useful as learning designers, not in necessarily skilling people on an easy piece of software, but in making sure that the learning resources that go up are put in a, in a way that kind of accommodates for the end user uh, who is going to be consuming it. Yeah, and I've always said, and I'll keep saying, I, I really do expect everyone to kind of have the same knowledge as me when working on a VLE or stuff like that, because it really is, it's really simple. I don't know anything that they don't. Now, if we're talking about some of the, the coding and the stuff like that, you don't need to know that. That's not something that you need to kind of get to grips with. And if that's one of the barriers, then maybe you need to take that step back and just assess kind of what exactly you need to create a good course. Um, you very much need the basics. So when I kind of have conversations, I can't do this, I can't do that. It does frustrate me because I'm like, okay, at what point are you are you just gonna use Google and, and and find out some of this stuff and use your skills to actually kind of figure out how this works? And maybe maybe it's that kind of um, inquisitiveness that that kind of want to learn. I want to find out this. I want to learn this, um, and that's why they don't do it because well maybe i don't want to learn it but i have to kind do of it. a paradox in education that you know you, you might come across people who aren't self-directed learners or aren't keen on learning new tools and skills which may enhance not only their own role but the kind of impact that they have um yeah it's 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 a tricky one isn't it and i think like I, pr I probably agree with you that that might be the reason for some, but it's difficult to prove, isn't it? No one's ever going to come out and say, I just don't, I can't be bothered to learn this. Yeah. Yeah. Or very yeah. Few, uh, right? yeah but I mean, there's, and that's it. There's so many tools and that's why I try and drum out, drum down to, well, you don't need to 
you don't really need to know the tool inside out. You just need to know how to do what you want to do. So if it's, I need, I need a type of assessment or I need, um, whether it's a quiz, whatever, it's, okay, how do I create this? How do I formulate this? And then, okay, how do I populate it? Cool. Um, but there seems to be this, it's looked at it the, the opposite way. It's, I really need to know this tool before I can actually do anything with it. And that fear of, there's so many tools, I need to know all the tools. But actually, you, you don't that, need to know any. And that's where your expertise comes in as well, isn't it though? Like all, uh, perhaps, um, I don't know, maybe less so for the learning technologist, but as the learning designer, um, the first thing they need is like, so you use the quizzes, the first thing they need is an assessment. They want to assess that the learning's taken place. So once you've got to the idea of an assessment, it's like, okay, well, what are you assessing? So you might draw back to like either the course outcomes or weekly outcomes or something like that. Say, well, I'm checking off one, two and five are met in this assessment. Okay, well, what sort of questions would, or what sort of uh, tasks would drill that out? And then you can start to think about whether a discussion is appropriate, whether some sort of assignment is appropriate, whether it's a quiz. Um, but yeah, like that fixation on the tools, I, I guess, if there is a digital uh, migrant and digital um, uh, native, I would say <laughs> if, if people are keen on that idea, uh, this might sound a bit cynical, but you could exploit that to your benefit when people are insisting on the tools and be like, no, no, th this is what works. Um, if, if, if that helps, I mean, I wouldn't suggest it actually thinking about it, but yeah. And um, would, would, would we be digital immigrants? Or are we on the fence? It's a tough one, isn't it? Like when I, so I think you're a couple of years younger than me, aren't you, Nathan? Yeah. So when I was 16, 17, I got my first mobile phone and I was ahead of the curve on the new digital phones. Um, most people didn't have internet by the time I left school and most people didn't have a mobile phone by the time I'd left school and driving. So like, you know, uh, I think we fall in that because it's the same with millennials or we millennials. We fall in that kind of gray area where it's on the border. And I think being again, I think being a son of immigrants, my life is shaped differently because, like, you know, my, my parents values would have been slightly different. Raising me might have been slightly more sort of Indian traditional than British traditional. Um, and I think that colours culture and all of this that we're talking about with with digital natives and stuff is, is another form of culture that's come through where some people have been exposed to something but others haven't, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have a phone until, until later. <laughs> I, won't, I won't specify. Um, but yeah, I just, because I, I, I look at it, I'm like, I'm, I am, I'm, well, I must be an immigrant. But maybe I'm a digital native because I've grown up watching X amount of TV as I as I grew up, um, and now from that I I I find it really easy to consume um, video video media. Um, that was sarcasm, by the way. Um, but but I was going to say it can vary in families as well, right? So my brother, who's two years older than me, uh, like the difference between us was I was really interested in computers as a kid. I just found like electronics and anything like that interesting. My brother can barely find the on switch to a computer. Um, and what are we saying? Are we saying we're, we're from completely different sides of the digital divide because he can't switch on a computer and I can, even though we've grown up in the same house, it's pretty yeah. much the same education, same but, I mean, exposure we, to tech. We, me and my brother, we built computers and all sorts. And I look back and I'm like, 
that just taught me how to build a computer. (laughs) That didn't teach me anything other than how to build that computer. But what it did do was act, it was that kind of, I don't know, the, the problem solving, the kind of the want to know how stuff works. Um, and that that's the key. That That's what you have to work with. That's what you have to tease out. Not the kind of, I consume, I play X amount of video games, therefore I am now, maybe I'm just interested in a certain type of video game. Maybe I'm just interested in something which actually you could probably utilize some of those skills um, outside of the video games. Um, but yeah, because I, I, I always look at, the coding and all of that kind of stuff. I'm like, there's a there's a huge need for coding. Um, there's a huge need for people that kind of have understanding of of technology in general. Um, but the idea that I look at a hundred websites, therefore, I can I can code. Um, it's quite simplistic. Because maybe I've got an understanding of what, maybe I don't even have an understanding of what makes a good design. Because um, that takes years and years of kind of unpicking kind of web pages to understand actually does this work does this not work that's it's something that doesn't just come to people so when it's okay oh someone watches x amount of tv therefore maybe they could be a film producer i suppose what you were saying for example on what makes a good design it's shifting because the landscape under the feet of of the good design is changing so for example the capacity what you can do with the courses that you are designing now is completely different to what it was like five years ago and it's again it's gonna change in next five or ten years so the best practice is changing and i think there's there's a there's a there's a level because i have to admit when when talking about websites now i was thinking oh remembering the I'm going to say uh, late night, end of 90s, early 2000s, where everyone had the the coloured images and the stuff like that and the black backgrounds and all the stuff that is not accessible. And that was the new thing that was like, oh, we, we need to do that. That's kind of the next trend. Or when Flash came out and everyone wanted to use a Flash website. And then about five, six years later, like these just these just aren't accessible at all. We need We need to change that. So on some level, I'm like, yes trends change but i think we have got to a point where we understand that we need to be designing for everyone that 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 won't change now so in future that nothing like that will change so we will always understand that we have to design for everyone whether what we're designing on it, it will always change but i think we're at the point now where you won't get away with just doing something because it's new. You can't, you just can't do that. There's, there's kind of a, a, I don't know, a level which you've got to get above in terms of whether that is accessibility um, because now it's understood how people kind of engage with well technology or, or anything in, in general um, and you'll be called to account. So I suppose the one of the most important messages that we can take from that the, um, from the era or from the generation of the native um, technology natives, uh, it's the it's the fact that we really need to uh, design and create 
anything that is online that is accessible for everyone. And that's the kind of the core message that I take from your perspective, Nathan. So what do you think is like tomorrow? What, what, what is the future development and what um, are the future names that we can come up with? Oh no, but what I was gonna, what I was gonna say is, um, it's also important to understand that there are, there are people with no skills at all and we have to cater for those. So we have to, uh, and Rummy's got his hand up, um, and when I say no skills, I think he meant generally rather than um, digitally. <laughs> but just the idea that there needs to be instructions built into a lot of stuff, and that that is happening, but that just doesn't happen all the time um, until we do get to that point where actually everything works. Because there's there's still there's still a lot of people that kind of don't really adhere to so, what needs to happen. Sorry, go on. Uh, oh, no, go on. Uh, uh, when you were saying about the instructions, I'm just thinking, isn't that just sort of good design anyway? We were talking about games last week. And, and yeah, the way the I was going to. I was going to mention that. Yeah. And you get those little tutorials. Like it used to be the, the the books that you would read, right? And and now you get the tutorials in the game. It trains you as you play. And well designed, whatever it is, whether it's a course or a website or you know, um, like a, a a toy for your kid or something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be digital. Um, but it should kind of be as you start to use it, you understand how it works through the guidance it's given, and it it almost needs to be invisible guidance at the point of uh, given to you at the point of required learning, I guess, rather than um, us thinking, oh well, people people will just get it. Like having that staggered instruction and then gradually scaling back on that instruction. I think we did it in a few of the courses that we. Um, you and I made together, Nathan, where we were providing lots of instruction to the learners earlier on, and then gradually phasing that out with the assumption that if you know if they've made it this far, they should by now understand what they need to do to interact with this material. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if, if we're talking about moving forward, I think we'll just have the same. I think we'll just have we'll we'll have people using technology, um, but not actually utilizing or understanding kind of the technology they're just using it um yeah and, and in a sense they don't need to right no? they, they don't need to understand the technology uh, for the most part they need to like it's, it's not well uh if you've got learners they don't need to understand how the vle works they just need to be able to get the information that they need at the time that they need it in in the format that suits them and i, I guess all of this stuff around um digital native digital migrant digital divide most people won't need those digital skills anyway. We just need to make sure that the, the platforms they're using are just intuitive. Yeah, and as we talked about the, the fake news stuff um, and being able to find reliable information, it's, it's, it's a similar thing. It's mm. okay, you know how to search the website, but do you know how to actually find good information? And that's what that's what's being taught is how do we find that information that is reputable rather than so you watch twenty hours twenty thousand hours of TV, great, but how do you find the the one hour or how do you kind of begin to critique that? How do you begin to kind of look at it in a different way? So I think those are the skills that should be taught, and I guess a lot of people are in a better position because they're consuming so much of this stuff um mm. 
I do I do kind of look at um, with the with the rise of all of this, um, whether it's a digital native or whatever, it's that digital well-being. Yeah, I think I think what you are saying, like both of you, it was really super interesting, and I especially I'm really interested in that. Um, where is that line when you draw that line? So, for example, um, I consider myself to be quite tech savvy, and when I get my phone. I know how to download app and I know how to use a multiple apps on my phone. I know how to take the photographs, but I don't have any ideas how this phone, I know a little bit of theory behind this, but if you gave me all of the pieces like from inside, I wouldn't be able how to put everything connect, how to connect everything together to create a working phone. So I suppose when it comes to, to uh, the Rumi's point, yeah, people don't need to really know how to use the, the like backend of IVLEs and uh, systems that, uh, that they're using. So I suppose what is the really most important thing when you are actually creating some digital content in the digital native era is to make sure that yes, people have different capacity, their understanding of the technology is different, but we as the learning designers, we've got to do everything in our power to make the content as accessible and as wide so everyone can access it with the minimal technical requirements. So it should be as easy as just opening Google Chrome or Mozilla Firefox, and then there you are, you can use it. Or, because... or any other browser or any other browser and, and you can just yeah. use it. You don't need to know, you know, how to use IVLE. It should be, it should be self, almost like self-explanatory. And I think, I mean, even if we were to accept the term digital native, I, I wonder what, what value would that have for our job and how we approach it? Because we, if we accept the terms and accept that the theory is correct, we would still need to design for people who didn't have the capabilities so in a sense, it doesn't really change anything we do. We still need to make sure that what we produce is understandable to any end user that might engage with it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we just like labels. We like to label everyone. I think we're talking about um, like Gen, Gen X, Gen Z, and then what are we going to do in the future? Are we going to start using registration plates? So it's Gen, Gen 62 and then for the first half of the year and then Gen 02 for the second half. We'll be long gone by the time they run out of names. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the digital natives will just all have gone. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not because we are recording and I'm, I'm aware that sometimes my views are, well, I, I need a lot of time to unpick them just to express what exactly I mean. So let's- I'm interested. Oh, uh, you got to stop the recording now. This, this, this will be the uh, after hours. Oh, but now, now we, now we're gonna be like, oh, okay. Well, um, it was nice. It was nice for everyone to have joined us. Um, we're gonna cut this now and listen to kind of what Power has to say and have a laugh behind the scenes. <laughs> but guys, if you, if if you really want to hear what I was going to say, give us the subscription. You know, support us, expand our audience, and then you're gonna find out. In um, which case, please don't, please don't false advertise. Yeah, don't <laughs> false advertise on the podcast.
Carol. Okay, sorry. You're never, <laughs> you're never going to share that. <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, I, I was just going to Go on, stop, the record, stop the recording and then just restart it quickly before Carol starts talking, just to make sure that we can, we can come come good on Carol's promise and release some extra bonus content. Um, but yeah, it's a, I think it's it's a really it's a really interesting conversation. I think it's it's the same with kind of learning styles and all of that type of type of stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we've got Danielle on the show in in the future. And it'd be good, good to hear from her, um, some of her thoughts as well. But yeah, um, thank you, thank you for joining me. Thank you, thank you. And we'll see you on the next next podcast. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please do listen to more of our podcasts, and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised.